There's a first for everything. First steps, first day of school, a first kiss. As I name these things, you may have pictured a scenario, but each of our visions are different because each of our experiences are different. When I hear the term first, these aren't the things that pop into my head. I think of the fact that at the age of 19, I'm the first in my family to not have a kid by the age of 18. I strive for first. It's like my drug. And growing up with a drug addict for a dad, I'm lucky it's my only addiction. Because of that, he wasn't really around much, in and out of jail since the day I was born. I would expect two things every year on my birthday, rain and a phone call from my dad. It rained on the day I was born, and according to a belief started by my mom, that meant it would rain every year on my birthday. And it has, even if it's just for a second. Apparently, that rule also applies to my dad. He was in jail the night I was born, and on the first six birthdays of my life. I got calls from him in jail for those couple birthdays, even if he didn't have the money to pay for a call, and we'd only get to talk for a minute. My mom was concerned that this would affect me, so in first grade, she set up meetings between me and the school counselor to keep me on track, which is where I was introduced to art. The counselor figured since my dad would call me on my birthdays, it'd be a good idea to send him a birthday card for his. He wasn't around for much of the year, but he'd always be released to make it back just in time for Christmas, which made my favorite holiday that much more special. When I was six, I remember opening presents with him before I went to the store to pick up some batteries for one of my new toys. But neither him nor the batteries came back that night. I sat and waited by the door for hours, tears falling like snow. This continued, but I didn't get a visit or a call. I had no idea what happened to him. Days turned into months and months to years. For the longest time, I actually thought he might have been dead. My mom never talked about him, just that we'd be better off without him. Throughout my childhood, hardly anyone even knew I grew up without a dad. No one ever really asked, so I never really talked about it. I continued to laugh and smile, living my life as a little kid should. By the way I acted, people assumed everything in my life was perfect, but it was far from it. To this day, I still can't eat eggs or tortillas, because while I was growing up, that was the only food my mom could afford. She was a single mother of two, and like every other female in my family prior to me, she had me by the age of 18 and my sister by the age of 20. She's always put the blame on herself for the way we grew up, wishing she could have afforded to provide us with a better childhood or had better taste in guys so we could have grown up with a dad. Each time we would have this talk, I reassured her that it all just made us who we are today, and I wouldn't want to change it. I would, however, like to change her taste in men. I can't name one guy she's dated who hasn't abused her or cheated on her. To cope with her problems, she tends to go out for a few drinks, and the bar is usually where she finds her match made in heavens, so it never surprises me when these guys end up resembling my dad. It's tough having to guide her through these relationships each time, because I know she deserves better. The last guy she got with, however, I'd have to say was worse than my dad ever was. My dad had bad, bad habits he couldn't break, but deep down, I knew he was a good person. On his sober days, when I looked into his eyes, his pupils would burst with love rather than being diminished by the drugs. My mom's boyfriend, BJ, on the other hand, had crazy eyes. When he looked at me, I felt frozen with fear. Because when I looked into his eyes, I couldn't see an ounce of love. He didn't care about himself, much yet anybody else. And he used this to his advantage. He was powerful. He was six foot six, a big guy. But his biggest weapon was being a manipulator, and my mom was an easy target. She's vulnerable, 
almost desperate to feel the love she thinks she lacks, and fell for every I love you BJ said. He lived in Florida, so being in a long distance relationship made it easy for him to pretend he loved her, because actions always speak louder than words. He only came down to visit three times, each visit being completely funded for by my mom, and each visit worse than the one prior. During his first visit, my mom took us down to Vegas for a family trip. Our first night there, he got a call from another girl which started a verbal fight between him and my mom. During his second trip was when things turned physical. One night, he pushed my mom out of her car, and thankfully, she only came home with a couple scrapes and bruises. His last visit was last year, during the weekend before my high school graduation, a milestone moment in my life, because I am the first in my family to graduate high school. The next week when he boarded his plane back home, I boarded mine with my best friend and her family for a week-long trip to Hawaii. They took me along to get a feel for the area I was about to spend the next four years of my life in. Not only had I been the first to graduate high school that year, but also the first to be accepted into college. Attending a university in Hawaii had always been my dream. And that week in Hawaii made me beyond excited to start my new life there. And I couldn't wait to call my mom and tell her all about it. But she beat me to that call to tell me she was pregnant. When I got that call, I realized my plans were going to have to change. Student loans would no longer be enough to help us afford the tuition for an out-of-state college, since she was now about to be a single mother of three. On that flight back home, I spent every <coughs> second thinking of what could have been and what I was about to do. When my mom told BJ she was pregnant, instead of listing baby names, he gave her a list of ways she could get rid of the baby. He had no intentions of sticking around to help my mom out. So I'd be the one to have to step up and fill his shoes. My mom needed my help, so I gave up on turning my dreams into reality. But I wasn't going to give up on myself. I didn't let my own dad affect my future, so there was no way I was going to let some stranger do it. I am the first in my family to not have a kid by the age of 18. My mom had one for me. I do, however, consider myself a part-time mom, helping out my own with whatever she may need. My little sister was born six months ago on Valentine's Day, and I was right by my mom's side until the moment she was born. And according to that belief I mentioned earlier, hopefully that means I'll be there with her every year to celebrate that day. I am now attending an art school in LA to earn my bachelor's in graphic design, continuing to follow my love for art that was sparked at the counselor's office back in first grade. Not a day goes by where I regret my decision to stay in California. Each time I look into my sister's eyes, I'm thankful because she's part of the reason that got me where I am today. She resembles her, her dad, but her eyes don't. When I look into her eyes, they're filled with love and hope. And it serves as a reminder to me that everything happens for a reason and everything will work out. <laughs>